0: the 42 Rugby Weekly. Uh, Gavin Casey here. I'm joined by Murray Kinsella. We're down in Liberty Hall Theatre getting ready for our show with Simon Zebo tonight. So if you hear any kind of noise in the background, that's just uh, our master producer, own Luke, uh, <laughs> getting us set up. How are you keeping, Murray?
1: I'm very good, thanks. How are you? I'm excited for tonight.
0: I'm very excited and uh, looking forward to seeing uh, hopefully some podcast listeners there as well. Yeah. Um, and if you are uh, there later on, you know, don't be afraid to come up and say hello and have a chat. Not during the show, mind you, but we will <laughs> yeah. be taking questions from the audience and things like that. Loads of things to give away. We've uh, two pairs of tickets for the game. Yeah, good price. A couple of jerseys as well. And obviously looking forward to hearing from the man himself, Simon Zebo. He'll have a lot to uh, say, no doubt. Um, the teams have been named yeah. ahead of Ireland versus England, Murray. And let's start with Ireland. What, I mean, on the one hand, you kind of think two changes from the team that beat the All Blacks. Nothing too radical there. And then you see Robbie Henshaw is starting 15, as was kind of predicted uh during the week but what are your thoughts on that uh, positional switch firstly
1: yeah well I think last week they were in Portugal and Rob McCartney obviously wasn't there um, and kind of word was getting out that Henshaw had spent the week training there wouldn't be particularly unusual he has run a few times there he would have done a few reps potentially over the years always in the back of Joe Schmidt's mind that he had played 15 quite a bit uh, particularly when he's first kind of bursting onto the scene mixing between 15 and 13 for Connacht so he has a history of it that said look it is It is a kind of risky, almost left-field selection in such a big game because Henshaw was recently just back from injury as a centre and now he's recently just back from injury as a full-back, having not played there for for a couple of years. His most recent outing was for Leinster back in October. He played about the last 35 minutes of the game away to Benetton at full-back after Kearney actually picked up a knock in the game, moved in there, uh, actually did a really good job and looked to really enjoy it. Um, But his last start, I think, was... 2016, April of 2016, uh, for Connacht against Munster, mm. uh, actually against Simon Zebo, 15 on 15. It was a pretty good contest, actually. Um, so yeah, it is. It is a there is that element of risk there. Having said that, Henshaw is a proven world class player, and he does certainly have all the skills to thrive again at fullback, as well as that bit of history. I, <laughs> oh, sorry, Owen Lucas <laughs> yeah. just put up a, a picture of a very
0: young Johnny Sexton from Simon Zebo's uh, Instagram on the screen behind <laughs> us here. Yeah, so you mentioned the fact that it's a, a risk um well it's i suppose a calculated risk and he has mm. got previous at 15 clearly but i suppose the uh, fact that it's a game against england it's a six, a six nations opener and it's such a pivotal game not only even for this six nations campaign but potentially for the year you know you want to start on the right foot and and continue the momentum that ireland built last year like I guess the fact that Schmidt has selected him there means that he's 100% or close enough to 100% certain that uh, Henshaw can do a job there. Like he's not, as much as it is a risk, he's not going to be like, you know, uh, taking any wild chances going into this game, I wouldn't have
1: thought. Yeah, well by selecting Henshaw, he's obviously not selecting Rob Carney, the guy who's been the incumbent at fullback and has repeatedly repeatedly been selected by Schmidt, even when he hasn't been uh, kind of topped up on game time. He's obviously had an injury-stunted season, um, and his most recent kind of comeback was for Leinster against Scarlets last weekend, which wasn't impressive by his standards. He missed tackles in the backfield and didn't quite get involved going forward, would have been disappointed with that. So he is short of of game time. Um, But look, Schmidt definitely has has faith in Henshaw as a 15 if he's going to put him there for for such a big game. (coughs) Excuse me. As we said, he, he has the attributes to, to excel there. Um, and most importantly probably he has the um attitude to excel there because he wants this. He, I think like from what I understand it's his favourite position. He's always wanted to be more than the direct uh, crash ball inside centre, you know? And he, he was more for a long time as well. Yeah, absolutely. When he first came through, that that's the player he was. He was creative, he used his footwork, he used his passing game, his offloading. Um, and I think he's always felt I still have that side to my game. There's still more that I can show here while always being a team player and doing the job at 12 that was required to be done and doing it really well. He's brilliant in that role. Um, But he's always enjoyed maybe slipping out to 13, having a little bit more time in the ball and now he gets a chance at 15. And even in that game against Benetton for Leinster, he just looks so happy. Like you know, His first touch, he picks out a bit of space in the backfield. Really good kind of gas-style kick that he still has in his armory. Um, a couple of offloads in the wider channels. Uh, he just looked enthusiastic in his body language. And I think you'll probably see that now. Um, while... On the outside you go wow this is daunting test for him he's completely comfortable at that level of rugby and he will feel no, i'm actually going to get a chance to show a little bit more of what i am as a player so look it's fascinating as well as that you get gary ringrose and bundyaki continuing in the center like it was going to be so hard to pick two of that three we were waiting for that time when they're all fit here it is and suddenly henshaw's at 15 and i guess you looked at 2019 and you go how are ireland actually going to improve as a team Now, this isn't the end of Rob Kearney by any means, but Mm. potentially this is it. If Robbie Henshaw, at the age of 25 still, let's remember that, he's only a young guy, if he excels uh, and thrives as a fullback, Ireland potentially an even stronger team. So it is exciting in that sense, um, and it's exciting that that centre pairing gets to continue because Aki was instrumental last year to all the success, not always flashy, but like a glue like figure, hitting rocks, making hard carries, uh, bringing defensive energy and really big contact in defence. And then Ring Rose is a class act, isn't he? Mm. Beautiful to watch on the ball with that gliding running style. And he's also developed into that second playmaker um outside Johnny Sexton, taking a little bit of pressure off him on the decision making front, stepping into first receiver increasingly now, um, as well as being a really intelligent defender. I'm not sure if there's anyone better than him kind of on the drift or when your number's down um, and kind of redeeming those situations or rescuing those situations. So, yeah, you look at it on paper and you go, wow, that could even be a a stronger backline than ever.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of come out of the blue as well, which is what's so fascinating about it. That's Um, good. A bit of excitement in it. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you know what? It's been a quite enough week actually. So it's uh, bored the shit out of me.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's it. Um Josh Van der Fleer starts at seven, and the only other change from uh, the team that beat the All Blacks, Sean O'Brien on the bench. Um well,
1: well Conor Murray's back, obviously. Like that's Well, sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean that w- obviously that was going to happen. He's fit again. Probably hasn't hit his best form just yet. No, I wouldn't have, yeah, I wouldn't have thought so. Yeah. You would expect a game like this
0: almost to bring it out of him, you know. Well, he is the kind of guy at the type of player, in fairness, that when the chips are down and and it, in a kind of a massive game like that, he he shows up. It's like I think he he times his preparation or recovery from injury really well, and it's always well timed. It seems for these kind of massive fixtures that might lay on the horizon. Probably hasn't quite been at his best, as he said for for monster, but I'd be surprised if he wasn't near enough to it. Yeah, at, at Lansdowne Road. Yeah, the um, seven.
1: In, like I, I think Vanderfier deserves. Like he did start that all backs match. He was excellent. He st- started against Italy in November. He was excellent. And his form for Leinster has been incredible, I th- I think. Again, probably not always noticeable, but his work rate is just phenomenal. Like Repeated efforts in defence, getting up, tackle. Two phases later, another tackle and often dominant tackles. Um, his work over the breakdown has really improved as well. He's he's uh, refined his decision-making. He's talked about Lancaster and Cullen in Leinster pushing him just to be really selective in when he goes for it and, and he's getting more and more uh, kind of opportunities to slow the ball for the opposition um, and he's carrying well as well. So a guy who's really fit and who will absolutely thrive in what is going to be obviously a very, very physical game. Sean O'Brien returns to the bench and again, you wouldn't be surprised to see him come on uh, in, in a game like this and despite not having a whole lot of form or indeed game time behind him, still thrive in it. So it's a, it's a really strong Ireland squad. I think on the bench, the interesting one, Is probably Dave Kilcoyne pushing ahead of Jack McGrath. Did you foresee that maybe? Is that form-based? No, I I
0: know. I remember hearing that. um, It would have been about a year or two ago now at this stage that Kilcoyne had been going through a kind of specific training program that Schmidt had kind of bestowed upon him, you know, like kind of politely saying, well, if you wouldn't mind trying this. And maybe he's starting to kind of see the rewards of that now, like in in terms Mm. of properly... Like he was obviously de- dedicated, but in terms of properly maybe buying into what Schmidt is doing, and um, I just like I love the idea of having like he's an unbelievable ball carrier, uh, having Dave Kilcoyne, Sean Cronin, and Sean O'Brien on the bench. Imagine that last twenty minutes. Um, if, yeah. it, if both teams are going to be tired, but obviously, in terms of a defence being tired, like to have three of those running at you um,
1: is nightmarish. Yeah, and it's such a big part of Joe Schmidt's philosophy. Indeed, all coaches now, the twenty-three man. Thing and finishers Or whatever you want to call them Impact replacements Yeah, it's substitutes Yeah <laughs> We go for that, <laughs> will we? It's so. a bit, it's a bit. I'm sick of this new agey <laughs> yeah. fecking I know what you mean know. But yeah, it's a really dynamic bench Quinn, uh, Quinn Rue gets ahead of Ulton Delan That was a probably a tight call The two Connacht guys playing really well But Rue has been impressive for Ireland Anytime he's played in the last year or two um, And he calls the lineouts as well So potentially that maybe gets him ahead there Uh, John Cooney as well getting his opportunity with a couple of scrum half injuries Yeah, exciting for him and I suppose he's only played what 85 minutes of international rugby I think tallied up which is crazy for a guy of his calibre and a guy who's so strong for Ulster all the time so he'll absolutely relish that one Um, and yeah indeed indeed the benches. (laughs) there's more talking points there because the 23 is one of the hardest most hotly contested uh, spots in the Ireland squad now isn't it like Conway and Addison are potentials for that slot as well so um, it's going to be interesting to see moving forward if Schmidt kind of rotates that spot. But mm. Larmer, again, brings that dynamism, doesn't he? Yeah, a little bit of an X-factor for sure.
0: Um, we will have the chat with Simon Zebo later for you as a podcast tomorrow, uh, Friday, as we promised last week. This mm. is going to be a bit of a shortened one because we have to get ready here, uh, to be <laughs> totally honest. <laughs> but to we homework. need to uh, look at England's team as well. Uh, first Six Nations start since 2013 for Manu Tulagi. Uh, the Vunapolas are involved, as expected. It, uh, look at the backline. Elliot Daly, 15, Johnny May, 14, Henry Slade, Tulagi, Noel, Farrell Youngs. Like They're s- looking mm. really, <laughs> really threatening again, aren't
1: they? Yeah, they are. It's a nice backline. I'm glad that Eddie Jones has backed Elliot Daly again. Like He took over that 15 shirt, and November was tricky for him. Yeah. Like In the air, he really struggled, and you know Ireland are just going to go after him in that aspect of the game. But he just brings so much more in terms of... The, his grubber kicking, obviously his counter-attacking and his individual ability on the ball, his pace, his evasion skills are absolutely superb. So I'm glad actually to see him pick there. I think it'll make it a better game. The wing spots were really hotly contested, like Chris Ashton on the bench, is top-class winger, and he'll be good impact late in the game. Uh, Tualaghi is going to perform the same role essentially as Ben Teo has been mm. for the last while. He'll be quite direct, uh, use him off set-piece to to get that gain line, and he'll be a handful uh, for, for the Irish centres but Slade brings that little bit of classiness uh, and probably that second playmaking thing as well he has a lovely left-footed kicking game really good decision maker on the ball and he has a a kind of subtle way of beating defenders he doesn't look like a big massive chop step like you'd see from Jordan Larmour or someone like that he just kind of glides his way around players so it is a it is an exciting back line and again the pack the pack looks strong they're missing Sam Underhill that is a A big blow, I think, because he was so good in November, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: But uh, that being said, even looking at the finishers uh, or whatever you want to call them, um, as you mentioned, Chris Ashton uh, is a weapon to bring on. You've got Courtney Laws there as well, Nathan Hughes. Uh, Interestingly, kind of similarly to Ireland in the sense that John Cooney is relatively inexperienced at uh, international level, the English sub-scrum half is Dan Robson, who I think would be making his debut if he came on. So yeah. if he's called upon, which you'd imagine in this day and age, he probably will be for at least 10 or 15 minutes. That's a massive test for him as well in what's going to be a fairly cauldron-like atmosphere.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's a good replacement scrum half to have, I think, because he's brilliant around the fringes. He's got a great sniping game, very pacey player, uh, certainly will lift the tempo. Ben Youngs is a clear starter, obviously, and Danny Kerr's is kind of fallen out now. Of the frame slightly, but Ben Youngs would be slightly more structured. I think one of the areas that he's really strong in, and that maybe gets u- overlooked, is his box kicking. Like England are really good at that, yeah. uh, contesting and, and winning the ball back. You saw Underhill probably smashing a few people off those box kicks in November. Notably, Damien McKenzie who had a tough time, and I'd say his ribs took a while to recover. um But I think the the starting pack as well is really interesting, as you mentioned those Vunapol brothers back and you really can't look, overlook the the fact that they allow England to play in a slightly different way. They'll be really direct. That's their modus operandi under under Eddie Jones. But the pair of them are really good playmakers as well. Both of them are really comfortable at kind of tipping on passes, uh, swivelling Saracens-like, and, and going out the back door to own Farrell or potentially George Ford when he comes off the bench and they go back to that 10-12 axis. Um, and as well as that, both of them can actually kind of distribute off the off the line out as well. So there's a lot more options there and it's a much more balanced England team with the pair of them in as well as like they can run overlaps for fun. Yeah, well that's if they are <laughs> back at their best.
0: Well that's the thing. What kind of a game are we expecting then? Like a more of attrition, the old cliche is isn't surely on the cards and yet England still have more like they've more strings to their bow. We probably saw it a little bit in, in November towards the end where like when they get moving at wide they can actually be Quite yeah. attractive and uh, quite attractive. Play an attractive yeah. style of rugby. No, absolutely. Uh, They're fine-looking men as well <laughs> at the same time. But um, yeah, but they, they are like there's a kind of they have a nice, I suppose, uh, varied game when they get it right.
1: Yeah, like, we'll probably talk about it more with Simon Zero later on. But yeah, let's like, end the podcast. Eh? <laughs> Come to the show or else <laughs> yeah. tune in tomorrow. Go. I'd say there's I'd say there's quite like similarities between the two teams. Yeah, um, like those finishers tend to kind of create scores. On even on high phases like England are a, a possession based team, but they've obviously kind of had those jibes at Ireland about being boring, whatever. But they kick more than Ireland, they pass less, they have nearly as much possession in general. Like Ireland are obviously the leaders in that, a few minutes ahead of them in average time in possession. But England do hang on to a lot, and a lot of their tries come from you know five six phases in, you know there'll be an error in the defence, and someone either will power their way through, or you'll have that little bit of playmaking from Farrell, and those wingers are just lethal, Nolan and May such good finishers. Um, so I think there's almost a, uh, a similarity between the two teams and the weather obviously is going to play into it. It's not very nice out there now at the moment in Dublin. Um, and it looks like it's going to be a cold a cold day again. So yeah, there'll be kicking, there'll be a fierce breakdown contest if it is wet because that'll narrow up the game. Um, and you think probably Ireland have the edge on that. The back row for England will be really important. Mark Wilson was excellent in November and justifiably keeps his place. Big big game for Tom Curry, who will mm. be their kind of jackal, poacher, threat and then try and link it all up as well as Vunapole offering kind of all the skills uh, across the board. So that'll be a really interesting e- element of it. But um, yeah, as you say, the English wingers and back three and Slade obviously have more than capable of opening up a bit as are Ireland's back line. So um, yeah, it'll start a bit tighter, but hopefully it opens up a little bit.
0: Yeah, well, like before we wrap up then, if the teams are similar where do they differ in your opinion or where will the game be won or lost?
1: Uh, yeah, I think they differ in their coaching staff. Um, Eddie Jones obviously has a pretty great CV and, and history in the game and not to diminish his ability as a coach or his coaching staff because they have some clever operators there, but I think Joe Smith and his coaching staff have shown an ability to um, have really clearly defined game plans, really good awareness of picking out opposition weaknesses and in those tight games like the All Blacks match, The difference there was a really clever set-piece play that enabled Jacob Stockdale, Bundy everyone who's involved to showcase their skill set really strongly and put them into strong positions and I think that's a tendency for Ireland all throughout Schmidt's reign. They've always been clever in how they've gone about trying to win games even when they haven't, or even when those plans haven't quite paid off. So I'd expect that that gives Ireland the the, the slight edge. England have never felt as um, clearly on the same page as each other. It's never felt like they're truly the sum of their parts you know yeah like across the board that team is incredible on paper but they've never felt as cohesive a force as Ireland so I think there's there's an edge there for Ireland spot on
0: well listen we better um go and get dressed and whatnot <laughs> uh, and do a little bit a re- little bit more research I should say. Um, thanks a million for listening to you at home and we look forward to seeing some of you at Liberty Hall Theatre later on when we're sitting down with Simon Zeeble to look ahead to the game in even more detail and uh, that will be available as I mentioned tomorrow as a kind of a bonus podcast for the 42 Rugby Weekly listeners that's all we've got time for now and uh, until tomorrow I suppose take it easy